This is a WKYT podcast. Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers. In just a little bit, Miranda Combs will join us and talk about a story she's done with Lexington Mayor Linda Gorton about the opioid crisis and about how the mayor in town is actually carrying Narcan and suggesting that others do. That's a little bit later. But first, the largest business organization in the Commonwealth is the Kentucky Chamber of Commerce. The group has a powerful voice on policy in Frankfurt as it speaks up for large companies and for mom-and-pop businesses operating on our main streets. By all accounts, Dave Atkinson ran the state chamber very ably for 15 years before his recent retirement. After an eight-month national search for his replacement, she was found already working at the chamber. Ashley Watts's selection makes her the first woman to lead the chapter at the chamber, and Watts is an Elizabethtown native who has degrees from Campbellsville University and U of L. And she worked for the Kentucky Bar Association as well as the state legislature before coming to the chamber. In other words, she very well knows her way around Frankfurt and around the state. And we're going to get to talk to her about that right now. The time of change in Frankfurt with a new governor coming in and the legislature, of course, getting ready to tackle some major issues, including revenue for the state as we head into uh, the new year. Thank you for coming, first Thanks of all, for having and congratulations. Me. Thank you very much. It's an exciting time. Busy time and exciting. Of course. Are you used to the, the title, uh, Madam President, yet? It's pretty neat. It's pretty neat. Um, I said I have two children. I said I don't know if they really understand exactly what's going on, um, but it's a pretty exciting time and an honor to be the head of the Kentucky Chamber. What does it represent for women to for you to you know be heading up the organization that uh, really is uh, for all businesses. Right, and you know, throughout the process, I really didn't think too much about me being the first woman doing it. I was just really kind of going on my merits and my experience, my experience at the chamber, my experience in Frankfurt. But then when it did happen, I realized I was the first woman to run the Kentucky Chamber. Um, it's a pretty exciting time, and I think it's an exciting time to really that we should take notice of and appreciate. And if I can be any part of kind of a small chip at that glass ceiling, it's pretty cool. Um, there are 50 state chambers in the United States, and right now six are being run by women, and I think three were just hired this year. So slowly but surely, I think women are coming into this scene, and I think it's a really great representation of the workforce that it is now. As we said, you know the state well, but you're traveling it right now. You're I making a, a, a statewide tour. Tell us how that's going. So I'm a lifelong Kentuckian. I grew up in Elizabethtown, went to school at Campbellsville, and I have lived in Frankfurt for about 17 years um, and one of my favorite parts of working at the chamber is really getting out in the state and meeting members of the business community from Pikeville to Paducah as they say. So every year at the state chamber we do what we would call a legislative roadshow which is where we go around the state and go to local chambers of commerce and talk about our legislative priorities for the upcoming General Assembly and we've done this for several years. So with my hire being official on November 1st it really was kind of perfect timing to go ahead and do this road show. I wanted to get out in the state and kind of do a listening tour um, to begin with anyway. And so I will be going to 25 local chambers of commerce. There are actually over 80 local chambers of commerce in Kentucky, but I'll be going to about 25 in a period of about four weeks. So I have three down, have about 22 left to go. So it'll be a busy couple weeks, but I've really enjoyed it. Just getting out in the communities, um, 
Um, Kentucky obviously has a very diverse landscape. So one day yesterday I was in Williamsburg and London. I'm in Lexington today. I'll be in Louisville soon, Paducah, Pikeville. So it's just a great way to go out and meet members of the business community, chamber members, hear what they have to say, and talk a little bit about the Kentucky Chamber and my vision going forward. What are you hearing as far as business trends out there right now, the, the landscape, the, the, the workforce training, mm -hmm. and I'm sure yesterday when you, you uh, this week when you met with the University of the Cumberlands at Williamsburg, you talked mm -hmm. about some of that. We did. I mean, that workforce really is the number one thing we hear from all businesses, whether it's large businesses, small businesses, it's work workforce and that's a good and bad problem. The good on this is our economy is booming. We have the lowest unemployment rate we've ever had. We have growth and economic development. There's been pro-growth legislation passed in the last couple of years. So the overall landscape for business is that it's very good in Kentucky right now. However, when that happens, we now have a workforce shortage. So there are more open jobs in Kentucky than people looking for jobs. So we need to make sure that we're training people, training students for the jobs that we have here in Kentucky and we've been working on that at the Kentucky Chamber really having a very strong emphasis on workforce. And part of that is that those jobs are open but people are not necessarily qualified to take them so that is the mismatch that uh, the state is needing to address. Right? Exactly. We sometimes say we have too many jobs without people and too many people without jobs and how do we make those things match up and so we really are working very hard to build a pipeline here in Kentucky to make sure that the jobs that are going to be open, the jobs that need to be filled, we're making sure students and Kentuckians know those are the jobs that will be open um, to make sure they realize what kind of opportunities are going to be available here in the Commonwealth. How challenging is it for you to represent both large and small businesses? Uh, you know, the landscape mm -hmm. keeps changing, certainly. A lot of people are uh, busy uh, ordering their Christmas gifts right now. Many of those will be shipped from somewhere uh, to Kentucky mm -hmm. as opposed to maybe the, the mom and pop stores that are, uh, you know, used to be downtown and in some cases still are. But then again, Amazon has mm -hmm. a major presence right. in Kentucky uh, and local operations. So how does the chamber, uh, you know, represent both? And that's a great question. And, and it's actually a good fact to bring up is that you hear about the Kentucky Chamber. And of course, we represent Toyota and UPS and Amazon and all of those kind of Kentucky named companies. However, the majority of our membership are actually small businesses. So more than 50% of our membership of the Kentucky Chamber actually have fewer than 100 employees. So that's kind of a good statistic to show that we do represent both the big businesses and the small businesses. And the great thing about the Chamber as an association is that everything we do is membership driven. So it's not just myself or our advocacy team deciding what we are for, what we are against. The membership decides that. Every member is invited to be part of one of our policy councils, and those councils are actually the ones that decide what issues we are going to stand for, what we are going to take up. They actually look at both sides of the issue and vote up and down, and then our board would approve that. We also survey our membership at least once a year on what would be what you might think of as the hot topics. If there's, a, if there's an issue like sports wagering kind of coming up through the cycle in Frankfurt, then we would survey our membership, make sure that we have the pulse of 
our membership. You know, some members may not agree with every single thing the Kentucky Chamber stands for, but we do represent the full business community, and that really is membership driven. And so by doing that, I think that's the strongest way that we can best represent our membership. Do you think Kentucky needs to remain uh, or be pretty nimble because times are changing so fast now and trends change, mm -hmm. you know, uh, a lot in the last 20 years or so, coal's downtrend has mm -hmm. been constant. Uh, tobacco was a, a, is now just a sliver of the economy when it was watch, uh, once such an important uh, sector here. Uh, we see the increase in bourbon sales. Mm -hmm. uh, we see the, the, now the hemp industry yeah. taking off. Uh, how does Kentucky stay up with those fast-changing trends? Well, and I think it's great that Kentucky has been able to diversify, and you're exactly right. Kentucky's economy and our landscape has changed over the last couple of years, and it's important that our policy adapt with those changes. Like our tax code, for example, a couple years ago there were tax changes that were very much needed to be made because Kentucky, and really the United States, is a service-based economy. We are providing services now that we used to not provide many years ago. We are now the home to logistics. We have UPS, we have Amazon and DHL. So our economy is definitely changing. Tobacco is something that you know used to be a key to our economy, and it's not quite anymore. So we're looking at hemp and bourbon and things to kind of supplement that. So I think it just shows the strength and the adaptability of Kentucky and Kentucky businesses and really the innovation to meet, be able to make those changes throughout times as businesses kind of come and go and trends change. As you're rolling out that agenda for the 2020 legislative session, what are some of the top priorities of the Kentucky Chamber of Commerce? So it is a 60-day budget session coming up in January. So the top priority of the legislature will be able to craft a budget. That is the one thing they kind of have to do by the time the session ends. And we are very interested in that. Um, 10 years ago, we published a report called the Leaky Bucket. And basically we said, if the state budget was a bucket, there were three major leaks, and these things were growing at a, face, at a pace much faster than the normal budget. And those three things were Medicaid, corrections, and pensions. And I wish I could sit here and say in 10 years that we have corrected those. And there has been legislation on those issues to try to correct those trends. But unfortunately, the spending on those three areas are still outpacing our state budget. So we, we, we will be working and looking at the state budget to make sure that education, really the top priority of the Kentucky Chamber, is fully funded um, and that it's a responsible state budget. Besides that, infrastructure is really our key priority. We have made great strides in the last couple of years in improving our competitiveness in Kentucky by our tax code, updating workers' comp laws. We have done great things. The one area that we will quickly fall behind in if we do not do something to address it is infrastructure investment. So if you look at Kentucky and you look at a map of the surrounding states, every state around us has increased their infrastructure investment except Kentucky. This summer, we are going to lose quite a bit of federal money that provides for our transit and our roads and bridges. And I think if you talk to anyone in business or in economic development, the one thing they know for sure is that infrastructure really is key to economic growth. So you do favor an increase in the gas tax? We do, tax. yes. We favor an increase in the gas tax as well as looking at some fees like registration, et cetera, to kind of broaden it a little bit. But it really is time that we have to increase that gas tax. Other state, every, almost every state around us has increased it in the last couple of years. 
like I said, we are the home to logistics. We have a major thoroughfare when you look at 65 and 64 and 75, and it's important that we maintain and improve our infrastructure if we want to continue our economic growth. You talked about workforce development, and another area that Kentucky has become an outlier is that we have not returned to funding higher education at a level uh, that it was prior to the, the recession. Many states had the same problem. They had to mm -hmm. cut, but Kentucky has continued to cut for more than 10 years. Now with a, a sliver of the support for our public colleges and universities that we once had. Uh, do you support a change there? Absolutely. We prioritize education funding, and you're exactly right. We highlight that in the leaky bucket report we'll be releasing soon, that the funding has not recovered since the recession. And so we really need to look at our budget and prioritize education because, as we said, we can talk about workforce and all the great things we're doing to build the business climate here in Kentucky, but everyone knows that education is key to success. Education is our key to prosperity. And so we have to make you know the sacrifices that might need to be made in the budget and really look at our spending wisely when we're when we're spending more and more on corrections and locking people up for just you know low-level drug offenses that is money being taken out of the education budget and so I think we really need to look at prioritizing our spending and investing wisely because for example we favor an increase in spending in um, uh, early childhood education we know that, that is a foundation to someone life and workforce later on and we know that investment pays off and the same with with secondary and post-secondary education so we would like to see the priorities in the budget really focus on education um, and unfortunately because of, of the laws that we have we are spending a lot in corrections Medicaid pensions and I think we all want to spend more money in education we just have to figure out a way to do it all right we're talking a lot about the policy we're going to talk about the players <laughs> in just a moment and there's a big change there, there uh, with a uh, new uh, governor coming in and we'll be back with Ashley Watts of the Kentucky Chamber of Commerce in just a moment here on WKYT. Welcome back, and we're glad you're here on WKYT for Kentucky Newsmakers as we continue to visit with Ashley Watts, who is now the president and CEO of the Kentucky Chamber of Commerce, and she has apparently hit the ground running. You are busy. I <laughs> with am. Your visits I am. And, and so forth. All right, uh, there will be a new administration in Frankfort yes. coming very soon. Democrat Andy Bashir will be governor. He did not attend the Chamber of Commerce a statewide event this year, but he insists he still wants to unite the state as Team Kentucky. Uh, what do your members feel about what's ahead? Mm -hmm. You know, it was unfortunate this summer when he did not attend our event. It was the first time that a gubernatorial candidate had not attended that event. Um, however, now that he is governor, we really are committed to working with him. And so we're excited to see what kind of partnership we might have and what common issues we have. There are many Many, many issues that the chamber covers that I think he would be very supportive of and so we look forward to really building that bridge and working with him and the new administration on some of those key priorities for the legislative session. 
Do you take it as a positive sign that uh, Governor-elect Bashir uh, plans to attend the Republican House retreat at Lake Barkley? I think it's a great sign. And, you know, for many years, Kentucky was kind of a bipartisan state. And there were Democrat leadership, Republican leadership. And so many of us that have been in Frankfurt for many years are really used to working in that bipartisan environment. And good things still were accomplished during those years. So I think it's a great sign. I think if the election shows anything, I think Kentucky want people from both sides of the aisle to get along and work on common issues and you know from the chamber's perspective it's not that we're Republicans or Democrats we're all Kentuckians and so I think there are many issues that we all can agree on and we all want to see Kentucky succeed so I think it's a great way for this administration to start out kind of a fresh chapter turning of the page you put the election aside and now let's get to work. Uh, uh, smoking uh, statewide mm -hmm. law has been something that you have supported in the past with yes. the chamber's still support that? We absolutely do. You know, when we talk about smoking in Kentucky, it really is not just a public health crisis. It's also an economic development crisis. When you talk about businesses wanting to come to Kentucky and locate in Kentucky, you talk about roads and bridges and our tax climate and all of that, and it's very important. But what also is important is the health of our workforce. And when we have the highest smoking rates in the nation, that also means we have one of the unhealthiest workforce forces in the nation and that really is something that affects business and affects businesses bottom line. So we've been very much in favor of a statewide smoke free law. We're basically saying if you're going to smoke in a public place in a business just step outside. Lexington, Louisville, many cities have it but actually the majority of Kentucky cities are still not smoke free. Last year we were able to pass a bill that made schools smoke free and tobacco free um, but we will still continue to work until the day that all public places will be tobacco free. The opioid crisis has taken a terrible toll on the families and communities and certainly on business. Mm -hmm. uh, what is the business community doing to, uh, to try to, to help in that effort? And you know, I would say just a few years ago, this is something that the Kentucky Chamber probably wouldn't have been on our radar. It was a public health crisis and as horrible as it was, I didn't, we didn't really know how it impacted business. And now we are very clearly seeing that it is impacting business. It's impacting our workforce. And a couple of years ago, the chamber really said, we wanted to be part of the solution. We want to pull a seat up to the table and really help combat this crisis. And so I'm really excited about this new initiative that we have. It's a public-private partnership with the state where we were able to hire two people to work at the Chamber of Commerce to be employment specialists. And so they are going in to Kentucky businesses, working with them on their HR laws. You know, many businesses are saying, we have a longtime employee who's been a great employee, but they're struggling with addiction. We want to get them help, but we also have a no tolerance policy. How does all this work out? So we're really helping them navigate this new territory we're all living in. We're also talking to employers about how to be second chance employers. How can you do this in a safe, you know, reliable way? And what we've found is that businesses who do second chance employment, they find that those employees are actually better employees. They're grateful for a job, they're grateful for a second chance, and they've been excellent employees. And I think any of us that have worked in criminal justice reform and kind of with this opioid epidemic know that a job is a really the key to reducing recidivism. It's what's gonna keep people kind of on the path to being, you know, to, to staying sober and getting their life back together. Do you encourage your businesses to uh, to continue to update their policies, to look at, uh, you know, as they try to attract uh, uh, workers, uh, 
people are changing. Yep. People are staying at jobs uh, not as long mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. Do you tell them that they need to uh, roll with the times? Yeah, I think all businesses have to really adapt to the times. I mean, we're looking at, obviously, as a, as a working mom, um, many more women are in the workforce. There are many women with children, you know. Uh, all of that is adapting over time, and I do think that businesses are constantly going to have to update their HR laws. And the opioid epidemic is really one of those keys to it, that, you know, it's a new territory, but we want to be able to help people really address some of those issues. But our work definitely looks much different than it did even 10, 20 years ago. And so I do think it's important for businesses to always be thinking about that and updating their, their laws. Ashley, I want to thank you for coming by. Thanks Appreciate for it very me. much. Ashley Watts now heading up the Kentucky Chamber of Commerce. Stay with us on Kentucky Newsmakers. Lexington Mayor Linda Gorton now carries naloxone and says everybody should. Our Miranda Combs joins us with an update on the opioid crisis next on Kentucky Newsmakers. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers from WKYT. Our Miranda Combs is always busy shedding light on scams and trends in the region. The opioid crisis is still a costly nightmare for the state, from broken families to overcrowded jails. We report on it often here. And now, Lexington Mayor Linda Gordon wants people to get trained and to carry naloxone, which can save the life of an overdose victim. We're going to look at a piece that Miranda did for us just a moment. She's here also to discuss the trends, and we'll do that. But first, let's look at this piece you did for WKYT. KYT News this week and talk to Mayor Gordon. Think about how far our understanding has come. Did you even know the word Narcan five years ago? Probably not. But now we know it's the only way to save a person from dying during a drug overdose. No one knows when they would need Narcan. No one knows if it's tonight, tomorrow. Unfortunately, people who inject opioids don't wear signs that say, I'm using and I need help. That's why the city has put emphasis on everyone carrying Narcan. Everyone. That's all naloxone does. It keeps people alive. If we can keep people alive, we can help treat people. Lexington Mayor Linda Gordon carries the life-saving spray everywhere she goes. She does it because the need is evident, but also to set a precedent. First of all, I'm the leader of our city, of our community. And anytime you have an organization and the leader is saying, we need to do this, that can set a different sort of thinking with the community. That's been the mayor's goal from day one in office. I can set the tone, you know. People might say, well, if the mayor has done this, maybe I ought to do this. They believe unity is needed. Numbers of overdoses aren't getting much better. Drug cocktails continue to deliver deadly outcomes. The city's goal is to bring all the help together because they believe there's more opportunity for help than people realize. These silos need to be broken down or at least bridges built between the silos. 
um, so that we're able to um, show everybody that we're all in this together. It's going to take all of us to deal with this issue because it impacts all of us. One way all of us can help, the mayor believes, is by being ready to save someone. It's all kinds of people who are getting trained. And so really it makes our community a healthier place when there are a lot of people who understand how to use these. In Lexington, Miranda Combs, WKYT. Okay, Miranda is uh, with us now. So uh, the mayor, obviously, she sees it as very symbolic that she's uh, taking part in this, although she is a registered nurse and uh, wouldn't know sure. how to administer that. Right? Sure, and, and actually, uh, Kevin Hall with the Fayette Lexington Health Department said that uh, after the story aired, someone actually said when they went into the training, I came here because I saw what the mayor said and I needed to do it too. And we're not talking about injecting needles into anyone that you don't know. These, uh, This is a simple spray. And nasal spray that you you spray into their nose obviously and um, even if they aren't having an overdose but they're unconscious it's not going to hurt them and people are protected from liability under state law now yes yes nothing because nothing's going to happen to you even if you didn't need it so there's no reason that you shouldn't try it mm -hmm. if you see someone unconscious and that they could be in that kind of situation and yet the social media reaction to this is uh, Bill, very I mixed was, right? i was telling you about that before this started uh, it always surprises me. We did that story, and then I get on social media, and they're like, that's for a doctor to do. That's not That's not for anyone else to do. This is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't have to do this. And um, so it's always a, a punch back when you, when you look on social media and see what the people are thinking outside in your viewing mm -hmm. area. Um, this is a hard concept. Remember five years ago, we weren't even, we didn't even know what that word was, right. as we mentioned in the piece. And now this is something that people are carrying in their pockets every day. Not long ago, our, our former or soon to be former attorney general, remember he had to stop on the side of the road and help somebody out. So the you governor never, elect. Yeah, the yeah. governor elect. Yeah. So we don't, we, you never know when it's going to happen. How many people took part in the training in Fayette County? So there were 149 people that were trained wow. on Tuesday night. They had four different classes. It's a 10-minute training, basically learning how to spray then to spray up someone's nose, and then um, they do some paperwork, and then they do a Q&A, and, and you're free to go, and you have your, your naloxone with you, or Narcan, as most people know it by. Are, are things improving, or are we still in a bleak situation? <laughs> Um, I would say in regard to the drug epidemic, yeah. we do have a drug epidemic, most definitely still now uh, by a lot. Uh, here's some things that are improving. As the lady mentioned in that story, some of those silos are being broken down. People are coming together with treatment. There are more treatment options than ever out there. That doesn't always mean they're always being taken advantage of. I heard during a, a committee hearing in, in Frankfurt not long ago, one of the, the people on the committee said, I'm hearing that treatment beds are, are, are open right now and here our jails are overcrowded with prisoners yeah. still so so a lot of people maybe still aren't taking advantage of the opportunities but the opportunities are there now which is a step in the right direct direction also Van Ingram um, told me that there is a decline in the number of people coming into the ER there's a decline in the number of people that are hospitalized yeah. at this point and a decline in deaths but you can relate that back to that Narcan yeah. because it does save people and gives them another chance at treatment some hopeful trends uh, quickly and we have less than a minute you've done uh, some recent stories about truckers looking for a place to pull off and sleep and then some places they're going are 
objecting to that? Uh, hopefully the story didn't get covered up in the past week, so look online if you didn't get to see it. But we talked to the Trucking Association president who said this isn't a new problem. Um, truckers, are, it's the number three concern for truckers. They can't find a place to park. So now add on top of that, Walmart has their own security in a lot of Walmarts, the Berea Walmart, the Williamsburg Walmart, saying you can't park there. If you park there, you get booted. $500 fine plus and these and they go and tap on your door they're not being very reasonable and how they're going about the practice of actually regulating this and so there's a lot of concern there's we've done three stories on it no changes we'll keep at it and right. see what happens thanks for being here Miranda thank you for <laughs> joining us for Kentucky Newsmakers you make it a good week ahead